to another episode of Marriage in a Tightrope. I'm Alan, and I am alone tonight, but only for a few minutes here in the introduction because we have a wonderful, delightful, all of the foals that you can think of, interview with our good friend Carolyn Pearson, a beloved guest of the podcast and someone in the community for decades. Literally, I won't say how many. She made me promise not to say. Now, in that interview, we're going to be talking about her new book, The Love Map, but this interview is so much more than just a little review and synopsis of The Love Map. It really does tie into mixed faith marriage very, very well. So would absolutely recommend you listen to the entire interview because we get into some mixed faith topics that we've never gone into before. I think you're really going to like it. Now, as a reminder, Marriage on a Tightrope 2.0, how trendy are we calling it that, is kicking off. What that is, if you didn't hear the last episode is we are doubling down our efforts, probably tripling our efforts this year and beyond in marriage and a tightrope and in the mixed faith space. We want to really put in a lot of time and effort and energy into the mixed faith space. And our official kickoff is going to be next Sunday, April 23rd, 2023, for all those listening in the future. That will be at 7 p.m. Mountain. In the show notes in this episode and last, you will find a link to a Zoom meeting. Just use that link and you can get into the Zoom In that Zoom meeting of about 90 minutes or so, we're going to be giving our Thrive St. George presentation on creating meaningful Sundays when things don't look the same as they always have, which is absolutely the case in mixed faith marriage. That presentation is about 45 minutes. And after that, we're going to be giving some additional details about what exactly we mean by revamping marriage on a tightrope. We have some exciting things that we will announce next week. So Join us there, and we hope to see you there. Now, two other announcements before we get to the interview, and you're not going to want to miss these. We announced last week that Jennifer Finlayson Fife is going to be joining us on May 8th at 7 p.m. at the Allianza Building in Pleasant Grove, Utah. She'll be presenting for 60 minutes on the topic of differentiation, the key to navigating mixed-faith relationships. This is going to be an in-person event only. We will not be streaming the event So to reserve your spot, Venmo $25 per person to at Marriage on a Tightrope, please include the initials JFF in that Venmo donation and comment with your email address. Uh, We're reserving space to only 100 people. We are past halfway full, so seating is extremely limited. Lastly, we have opened registration for Workshop on a Tightrope, our six-week workshop for mixed-faith couples with Natasha Helfer. We have not done three workshops in a single calendar year since 2020, when we were all locked in our homes, and the only thing that we could do was get onto Zoom meetings. And so since then, we haven't done it. We've only done twice a year. We plan on doing a third in the fall, but there is no better time than now to work on your mixed faith marriage. So you can see the link in that show notes and in our Facebook group and Instagram. It'll be posted there as well. We only hold spots for 25 couples. That will be starting Sunday, June 4th at 7 p.m. Mountain. Each course lasts for 120 minutes, two hours if you don't use this weird length of time. And uh, we, we get together with Natasha Helfer and you and 24 other couples to work through a course to help in your mixed faith marriage. Uh, we will be having a little bit more information next Sunday on our Zoom meeting with some testimonials from couples. And we're hoping Natasha can join us and talk about the course a little bit. So if you have any questions, you can ask us there. Or of course, you can go to our email at marriageandatightrope at gmail.com. For those looking for the most meaningful way 
to donate to Marriage on a Tightrope and support the mixed faith community, we recommend sending a Venmo to at Marriage on a Tightrope earmarked with the comment scholarship. And we set aside all of those funds to go to couples that can't afford the full course. We put a lot of time and effort into that course and we bring a professional therapist on board. So if you would like to help out with that, send us a scholarship donation and we will make sure that goes to a couple that is in need. Without further ado, after about four and a half minutes of ado, I would like to turn it over to Katie and Allen for a interview with Carolyn Pearson about the book, The Love Map, and some great commentary about mixed faith marriage. We would love to welcome back. I love when we get to say welcome back. That means that we've already spent some time with this wonderful person. We'd like to lovely welcome back the lovely person. I'm going to say lovely a lot. Carolyn Pearson, welcome back to Marriage on a Tightrope. Thank you. Thank you. And I am so thrilled to be welcomed back by the lovely duo that I am seeing in front of me. Thank you, Katie and Alan, for inviting me again. Well, Great to be with you. you. You're a favorite among many, many, many of our listeners. And it was so fun to see you at the Restore event where you spoke oh. and it was so great. We had a big group of people from our um, community there together watching and of course loving what you had to share with all of us. And then also you met earlier this week with a, a marriage on a tightrope group that did a book club with you and where you <laughs> talked did. about it. Whoa, we went for an hour and 45 minutes once we got talking and I just loved these women and clearly they loved me and we just had the best time. Oh yeah. You are, you are so loved. And um, it's been very, many of them have expressed a lot of um, excitement for this interview. And I'm glad that so many of them came to the book club. They said it was great. So the love map, saving your love relationship and incidentally saving the world. That's quite the title. I know. I love it. I do love it too. This is a, a work of fiction, the story itself, yep. right? Where do you come up with these ideas? Has this been in the, the back of your mind? How long have you been crafting this? Mm, I, I don't specialize in writing fiction. I've written stage plays and I love doing that. But it, it has to be two or three decades ago. See, my, my very non-traditional husband was possibly the, the first new age person in Utah. And he discovered the new age and it, and it was just exploded. His, his brain was exploded by all of the possibilities of studying consciousness and meditation and looking at things from, you know, a, a different than an LDS perspective. Because for those who don't know, he was a gay man and was trying to figure out a way to validate who he was in a system that did not validate who he was at all. So he was searching for a way to to have a godly kind of connection with a, a spirituality that would have a place for him and, and i'm not quite certain how that how that played out in terms of his need to have his homosexuality validated but he loved the larger view you know the, the love people these days are very much aware of a certain of the what we call other religions their their some of their vocabulary so most everybody would know the word chakra and as i have always been really really interested in consciousness studies when i began to learn some of the things that he was studying these great ideas that were coming from the east 
as I studied the, the, the chakra system, and I'm not an expert in it, but as I began to read a lot about it and think a lot about it, and and I, I read a wonderful book by the woman who gave me a, a great review on the back here, Anadea Judith, and Wheels of Life. And of course, the chakras are supposed to be energetic wheels. And nobody can nobody can guarantee and find physically a chakra so you can dissect it and see what it is. But it is a it's a an energetic concept. And as I studied that, and especially when I learned that, you know, it's really kind of a step by step view of progression. And when I learned that the history of the world seems to have gone through these same challenges of step-by-step learning about and mastering the the things that are expressed in each of the seven chakras it it occurred to me you know this this is kind of a, a these are stepping stones the this is a map that is not only what humanity seems to have been developing from the beginning but this is also this looks to me like what a relationship would be developing, especially an intimate marriage relationship. And so as I, as I studied the, the seven chakras from that point of view, it became so clear that this could be a really helpful way to learn what an intimate relationship asks for and what it gives you as you follow the, these, uh, this map step by step. It, it just occurred to me that, you know, this could be a really fun story that, that would show a, a, a relationship of a couple as they or as one of them discovers this in a way to help a troubled relationship because this is kind of the remedy of you're here, but you've, you've got to take the next step. You're, you're here in the third, what I call kingdom. But you've got to reach up into the heart. And of course, that's the, 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 the major point uh, of this book to get us out of control into the, into the heart. So I was just playing around with all of these ideas and I, I wrote a, a, a little book and I, it wasn't very good. It wasn't my best writing. And I just let it be for a while. And then I tried a different approach and I wrote another one and, it, it, it just didn't satisfy me. So I, I just put the whole thing away for a while. But about two years ago, I said, look, I'm not going to die before I take that project out and do something with it. Something. Because it has so much richness there. So anyway, I, I got at all my stuff and read all my stuff and began to just meditate and think about this. And when I got the idea of telling this in the, in a first person point of view, I thought, wow, maybe that would get me over the, the, the bump of not feeling that the writing itself was the best that it could be. Cause this concept is great, but my writing wasn't as good as the concept. You see, I, I have a, a, a master's from BYU in, in theater and I know about dialogue. I know about monologues. And so I just sat down one day and I, I just wrote those, those first couple of paragraphs. And it was just such fun. I thought, oh, I know who she is now. I know how she speaks. She's sort of like me, but she's even smarter than I am. And and I love the words that she uses. So when I had written those couple of first paragraphs, I thought, I can do this. I know I can do it. And so I just kept writing. And And I can't tell you how much I loved writing this book. I just couldn't wait to get back to my keyboard. 
And then when I was finished, I couldn't wait to go back and rewrite it and make it even better. So, you know, just in, in terms of a piece of writing, that's how this happened. That's great. Looking at the titles and, and books that you've written, a few of them are, our listeners will, will be familiar with, Finding Mother God, um, even your children's book, I'll Walk With You, uh, The Ghosts of Eternal Polygamy, and others seem to have a very clear and obvious, even just by reading the title, of, this is why this book is important. Connecting with Mother God, walking with others in our differences, understanding the the horrors the horrors i was going to say the torture the torment um yeah. of of eternal polygamy it it seems very clear from some of your works what the objective is or what you hope your readers to tap into what do you hope your readers to tap into with this book well perhaps it is a little more subtle than than the other titles but i do present that that this is a, a, a an actual thing it's a map this is the love map. This is how to get you to where you want to. And, and, you know, and, and this subtitle, of course, is a little tricky because it sounds a little outrageous. But to, to save your own love relationship and all of our love relationships have disintegrated from time to time. They really have. And, and we have to figure out, oh, my gosh, am I lost? Is my partner lost? Is the whole relationship lost? Um, but but if you have something as specific as a map, that here are the expected steps, and 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 where you can see where you're stuck, that is is what I hope that people would be able to get. And, and then of course this outrageous little few words here, incidentally saving the world. Well, how is the world going to be saved except by enough people? giving up their ideas of my will over your will, giving up their need to control, and moving to that place that Jesus and every other master in a spiritual sense or in a non-spiritual sense, every great teacher has taught that we have to move into the heart, which is the arena of love. And we're not going to save the world until enough of us do that. So, you know, my, my heroine in this, in this story, Joanna, it, it, who, who has this adventure and meets her, her higher self, who is her unremembered connection with the godly, whatever that might be. And she is told that, Joanna, you are here to save, you are being called on this, this hero's journey, not only to save your relationship with your husband, Daniel, whom you do love in spite of all of this terrible stuff that's been going on. And also, Joanna, you are called to save the world. Well, how bizarre and stupid can that can that idea be unless it's true? Because we know that, you know, and I, I, I love, I, I chose to put a quote here at the beginning of the book. And this is why I was sufficiently uh, bold to even introduce the idea into the story that what if she is the tipping point. And in his book, The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell says, the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. That's what has happened over and over again in our history. And and people in the commercial world know that, that you know, if you get to the tipping point, then everybody knows about your stuff. So it is, it is not outrageous for us to believe 
that our relationship, as it heals, as it becomes really whole, as it is centered on love, could be the final one necessary. That could be the drop of water that overflows the fountain, could be the straw that that breaks the camel's back of fear and hatred. It could be the tipping point that brings in the millennium and the era of world peace where the lion and the lamb lie down together. Why not? Maybe you guys' relationship is the tipping point. Maybe mine is, you know, and, and of course these, these principles are for not only a marriage or, or romantic relationship, but they're for, for all of our relationships. These are for our business relationships. These are for our, our mother child, father child relationships. And, so I love it that, that I just felt bold enough to put that, those words in. Incidentally, saving the world. This is the only way saving the world is going to happen. I love a few things. So one, I think you described really well uh, Joanna and Daniel's relationship. That so seems just very similar to what many of us who've been married more than a couple years experience, right? Where um, the things that you fall in love with, with the other person, become um, annoying sometimes. Rugged handsomeness. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. <laughs> that must be right. <laughs> She's right. sick of your rugged handsomeness. That's right. That's right. But you know, maybe the things that maybe attracted you to them, just all of a sudden you can only see the bad things that are happening. The dishes that aren't done, the things that I, my expectations of him right. that are falling short. And I mean, you you describe this in the book, right? To set up to set the stage for the problems in the marriage, and I think that this is actually um, it's very similar to mixed faith marriage. You know, when we look at just the things that aren't going right, the things we aren't agreeing on, and you get to the point of, well, where do we go from here? And she, you know, she suggests this idea: let's go to Jerusalem. You know, let's save our marriage. Come on this trip with me. And his response was very analytical. We don't have the money, you know, and, and perhaps there was um, a hesitation to what that would actually have to mean, right? Discussing or yeah. whatever it might be. But then she goes on this, this kind of grand adventure to find her higher self. What she's, a, she's, a, she's assigned there by Google, her boss. By to Google. Go to Right. She goes and, to do and, the map. You know, she, she, she's injured in a bomb accident and has this visionary experience. Right. So go ahead. Well, yeah, she has the visionary experience. So, I mean, talk to us about these, the different kingdoms that you talk about. I believe there's four. Is that right? In the, in the regular chakra system, there are seven. And uh, her her higher self does take her on this journey by showing her the map that is embedded in her body, showing her these these various uh, chakras or the the I call them kingdoms because it just feels more interesting to me to call them that we travel from kingdom to kingdom here if I could just read for one page I think I'll answer the question that you just brought up here as uh, Sylvia that I just grabbed out of nowhere as the name for her higher self is explaining to Joanna what you never knew Joanna is that the most important map of all is not a horizontal one but a vertical one 
a map that even the smart folks at Google never talk about. There will be a test, a test that you don't want to fail out there in the real world. Here in the classroom, I'm giving you a kindergarten version, but it's all you need to know right now. Shall we begin? I nodded. As you observed, falling in love is easy. Is rising in love. That is the challenge and the growth and the joy. These points of light, and they're looking at a, an, a, a, a creation here that is like the, like, uh, da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, where uh, we see the, the the full figure. These points of light are sacred places where body and spirit connect, each as if a higher vibration than the one below. I like to call them kingdoms. The kingdom of the first, the root of everything. Sylvia pointed at the lowest wheel, which lit up a dark blood red. It's at the base of the spine and governs the instinct safety, survival, think I have. The second, this rich orange located in the reproductive organs, governs sexuality, emotion, creativity, self-esteem. I feel. The third, a yellow sun in the abdomen governs power, action, individual will. I can. The fourth, This lush green in the heart governs compassion, forgiveness, generosity. It is the midway point, the meeting place of earth and heaven. I love. The fifth blue in the throat that governs communication and pronounces the future. I speak. The sixth indigo in the forehead or the third eye governs spiritual vision. I see. The final wheel became a gleaming violet shot with highlights of white. And the seventh at the crown of the head governs pure knowledge, revelation. I know. Joanna quizzes her as well, where here am I stuck? And she's told, Joanna, you, like many, many, many people, most perhaps, you, like these, like our civilization as a whole, is stuck In the third kingdom of power and will. And that's where you and Daniel have been recently having your interactions from that energy. Your calling is now to move up into the fourth, into love. And that is the only place where you can save your relationship and create the kind of love and marriage with with Daniel. That, that you so want to. And you can do that. Look, it's only a few inches from the abdomen up to the heart. It's only a few inches. But those few inches demand an awful lot of learning and of goodness and of making a better choice, a choice to forgive rather than a choice to to hold on to resentments. That is the the, the layout of these these kingdoms. And as as they they review first the, the the way that civilization has dealt with each of these energies, and we can see that that that's true as as we hear how it's explained, and then at the same time we're seeing how Joanna and Daniel's relationship has followed those same energies moving up and up and up, and now now they're at a place where it is pivotal; they must move from the 
third kingdom of power up to the fourth kingdom of love. And and that's the journey that she's called to do. And will she do it? Can she? So we watch her. And we know that this will end happily because who would want to write this story and say, <laughs> well, and then she goes home and they get a divorce. I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil she, it. Yes, they, they get hit by a bus. <laughs> and and we we won't tell you exactly how it ends because there are a few surprises along the way. But and and see, uh, uh, Joanna's role model, her mother, is on her fourth marriage now. And in in the conversation, her 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 wiser self says, "Yes, it 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 is it is easier. You know, first grade is always easier, or kindergarten is easier and more fun than fourth grade." And and yes, you can say, oh, I don't like fourth grade. It's too hard. You can go back to kindergarten and you can fall in love with somebody else. But you're going to have to take these same steps, no matter who it is that you are relating to. And if you want to be with Daniel, you and Daniel can solve the problems you have, but you have to follow the map. You have to believe in it. You have to be willing to give up your ego, which is the, this this one with the sword, the antagonist that follows Joanna throughout the whole story. The ego does not want her to succeed because the ego lives in resentment, loves resentment. So that's that's essentially the map that we've got going here, and uh, and I I believe it to be true. I, I'm listening with the ears of our listeners right now, and absolutely see the tie-in to a mixed faith marriage where they're they're absolutely especially at the beginning that ego and not necessarily derogatorily but that the wounds that that come in the beginning stages often come at the beginning stages of a mixed faith marriage it's very difficult to to recognize when when you should be leaping into that fourth that fourth stage of shedding all of the resentment and just embracing love like you just outlined. And the sooner we can get there, the, the, the sooner that we can, we can move together, even if there's still differences, but the sooner we can move forward kind of united in our differences. And I I think that it takes a little bit of time. It does. And I totally understand what you're saying there. What if we, if, if we can and do move into the fourth and look at the challenges that we have, not through the eyes of fear and resentment, but if we look at these differences between us through through the eyes of love still. See, Jesus taught us not only to, to love your neighbor, but to love the stranger at the gate, to love your enemy. Now, I know that in, in a mixed faith marriage, sometimes, I'm assuming, the other one does look like a frightening enemy. And, and, and let me, let me acknowledge that there are some relationships that do need to end. I was in a relationship that actually did need to end. And, you know, I, I was terrified as I first saw my husband moving away from the church. So I can empathize, you know, how with the, the, the people in, in your, your listeners, how they feel. But I was not going to let that be the reason that we ended our marriage. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that there are times like mine when the difference becomes so large that that, a, that a, an intimate, committed relationship is not going to be able to survive. 
But even so, even so, if the religion, if, if the relationship has to end, I believe it could still end up in the heart rather than ending down here in the abdomen where we're fighting and where it's my will over yours. I think it's possible that there could just be an agreement that says, I do love you and I do appreciate you. And I feel that I cannot be my best person with you. And I feel you cannot be your best person with me. And it may be that we need to reconfigure this and end this as a marriage. I, I, I think that that has happened for people in your listening ship. Yeah, it has. Um, but, but the best way to do that would be to say, we are changing our relationship and we're doing it out of love. Now, you know, here's one thing that I, when I spoke to the group that you were talking about a little bit ago, many of whom are possibly in, in this listenership. When, when I went in, I, I, I didn't know really how, the position of these women. And I, I was assuming something. I was, I was thinking, <clears throat> okay, because this was a group of women who are still maintaining in the church and the husbands are, are out. And I thought, oh gosh, are they going to want to have me coach them on how to get their husbands back into the church? (laughs) I quickly learned that that was not, and and of course, that's not who I am, but I could not possibly do that. Um, But here's one thing I learned that surprised me. These women, evidently, as a body, seemingly all of them, or I guess most of them, appeared to be very willing to work with the husband who'd left the church and wanted, wanting to maintain the marriage and wanting to just kind of bless him on his journey and not make any un, unrealistic demands on him. But what I learned from these women is that it seems that it was the opposite that the women that I was speaking to were the ones who were blessing their husbands on whatever new journey they had to take. But it seemed to be that a number of the husbands were not willing to be in that space for the wives, that they were insisting, you got to come out with me. You know all of this stuff now. You know all of the scheming that Joseph Smith did. You know all of the all of the falsehoods. You know all all of the the, the things that are not correct and good about the, the church. Uh, you, 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 you can't possibly want to stay in there. I, I can't even respect you if you want to stay in there. You, you come out here with me or else I think our marriage is not going to, going to make it. And as I was digesting what I was hearing there, I thought, Oh, I'm not sure if these men took out of the church some of the best things that they learned in the church. I think they took out of the church maybe a kind of patriarchal position that is not one of the best things that that the church has to offer. But that's one of the things they chose to take out with them. This, This possible feeling that I'm the man and I know what's best and I'm I'm the one who gets to maybe have the say so that family's not going to run anymore in in the church and you're coming out with me or else we're not going to be a family. Now, there may be a whole bunch of gradations of that 
in in the couples that that they were thinking of as they as they told me that but as i heard it it was kind of a, a little bit of a shock to me not, not a pleasant shock to think oh they've still got patriarchy going even though they they've left this patriarchal church so i i'm i'm just saying here for for any of the listeners who no matter who it is if if the wife has left and the husband wants to stay within the borders of the church or if the husband has left and the wife wants to stay it it could be and should be looked at leaving this this third kingdom of power because nothing works with my power over your power it just doesn't and nothing works with my will over your will so to to somehow find a way to as individuals and together to have get the the relationship up here into the fourth which is based on love and have the conversations be sort of like i i find that i do not live in the space that you are living in spiritually that's not what resonates with me i need a different position that i'm i'm suggesting that um, perhaps that can be done with love maybe lo- love enough for the the husband to say well i know i'm right I've listened to all these podcasts and I, 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 my, my head is full of every wrongdoing that the church has, has done for since its inception and it's wrong about this and this and this and this. And I, I just can't do it anymore. If that husband or conversely, if we were going to talk about the wife, but let's talk about the husband for a second. If, if he was able to say for myself, I am no longer comfortable attending priesthood meeting i am no longer comfortable participating as an active member in the church but i honor you i honor you my wife and and i acknowledge that 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 your position is the one that we started with and i'm the one who changed the rules i acknowledge that i'm the one who's changing the rules now and and i think growth it gives me that, that that privilege because this is where I truly have grown to. I'm going to try to maintain the very best that I learned in primary, the best that I learned from every good every good sermon I ever heard in church that was simply about love, simply about the fact that Jesus is called to love everyone. And yes, Jesus is called to love the husband who decides to leave the Mormon church Jesus has called that husband to love his wife. Or if it turns into that, his former wife. But whatever decisions are made, if you're going to do it from a place that, that the husband thinks is higher than the Mormon church, it has to be as high as whatever love he has absorbed from every spiritual or non-spiritual sources he's ever participated in. That, that I think I feel like you just gave um a really good pep talk 
to mm -hmm. <laughs> so many, so many in the group, especially when it comes to ego, fear, shame, um, and, and calling us all to honor our spouses in whatever capacity that we can and still be able to stay true to ourselves. What are, what are, what are our higher selves and desires? In the book, you talk about Joanna and Sylvia, and oftentimes I think writers, you know, pull from personal experience. And so, Carolyn, are you Joanna? Are you Sylvia? Are you both? Where does oh, that pull from? <clears throat> oh, sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely Joanna. And 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 I, if I give Joanna this higher self, and higher self is a is a term that I've been aware of for decades. You know, Oprah Winfrey talks about all of the, the spiritual people that she interviews uh, over these decades speak of the higher self. And I don't know exactly the, the LDS term for, for that, but, but we talk about behaving from our high, from the highest person that we really are. But to, to make this visual, you know, to, to make it have a reality, to make, to give it a dramatic reality. You know, I had to take it a few steps. See, I've, I've never seen a vision. I've never heard a voice. I've never had any paranormal experience. I've always wanted to have a near-death experience without nearly dying. <laughs> and I've had none of that. But I have my imagination. And, and I have the things that I have absorbed from my LDS experience and that I've absorbed from all of my other spiritual experiences that are you know, way out here, drawing from, you know, the Eastern thought. I, I know that, that from, from everything that I've absorbed, my ordinary, everyday, perhaps lower self that I'm speaking about as, as the, the one that we all are in, in, the, in, the, in the third kingdom where we're battling with our ego and we don't want to give an inch. I, I have experienced that. I, I still do. But I'll tell you what, having, having written this book and having to talk about it a lot, I'm, I am more quick than I had been to call myself to say, you're not being the best of who you are right now. You're not. And, and to me, that, that's a great blessing. So where am I going with this? That, that yes, we all have the, the aspect of ourselves that's, you know, that's really petty and really stuck in the, in the third, but we all, because, you know, we all have been taught that we are children of God. Now, if that's language that you've thrown away, that's okay. Because you can say we all are human beings with the highest possible consciousness. We are all capable of goodness, of love, of extending, you know, we, we see this happening even in this crazy world that we have where people are at each other's throat. We, we see all of these organizations springing up to be helpful to, to and individuals just making you weak with an individual act of goodness here and there and there. We all have that person inside of us. And so even, you know, while we're re doing a remix of our religious beliefs and our religious roots digging them up and maybe planting them somewhere else let us not throw away the best of what we have gathered already in our lives and you know from my point of view jesus is the best that we've got 
and you know I, I i admire you know a lot of other religions that i know a little bit about but but all of them intersect with jesus's best teachings so if jesus says love your enemy end of story jesus will certainly say love your wayward husband love your your wife who's not smart enough to see that you're the right one and she's not and she's the wrong one love love her anyway love him anyway and it's only it's when these conversations start coming up now uh, based on love and based on respect rather than i know better than you know there will be some kind of of agreement whether it's yes i'm happy to let you go to church and I'll be happy to let you come back and tell me some nice thought that you heard at church. Or, or yes, I'll be happy to have you sit at home and no longer uh, come with me to, to church. That is, that is your choice. And I, I love you enough to let you have that, that experience. And I hope that we can have good conversations that the, the use maybe a vocabulary that we can both be comfortable with about things that we're learning. That That's what I'm hoping for, for, for all of the people who might be listening here. Because the love that you developed with the individual that you are now with is precious. And if it has to take a few turns, let us still be out of love and not out of anger and not out of I'm better than you are, not out of I know more than you know. Love, and there is a map to it. And We've you come can, full circle. And you can cut and you can read about it in the love map. My gosh, Carolyn. I love at the at the back of your book it says this this story is fiction and it is true. And well, it is true. And it is true. And in what ways do you feel like it's just true? Well, it's just true. There's a phrase in Mormondom that I like that talks about eternal progression. <laughs> we we might not all you know, see it the way that it was first explained to us there. But the concept of eternal progression. And right now we are in our our mortal progression. Many of us are assuming that there is some kind of a, a next life that's opening up for us. Our, our consciousness will still be there. But the fact that that we can not only think about love and talk about love, but become love. That's a possibility. And we, we just, we just must. We must. We have to. And, and the future of the world depends on it because <laughs> what if every couple or every single person who is listening to this podcast, what if you as a couple or you as an individual, you are the tipping point and the world is waiting for you to be able to live as fully in the fourth kingdom, live as fully in the heart as Jesus insisted what if you are the one that will break the camel's back of fear and hatred and all of that i i I think it's a gorgeous thought to say i am called to be the tipping point what i do really matters and and you know we know that you know and i've i've done a little quantum physics stuff in this in this book and those those guys that the real quantum physicists and I'm just a barely beginner of just sipping into it, but they tell us that everything is connected to everything. So your relationship is connected to the entire world, and the vibration of kindness or of resentment that you continue to send out affects the whole. 
So let us each one assume that we can be the tipping point and that in our relationship, no matter where it goes, if it continues and grows, if it has to move into a different form, that is done with love. Love is the answer. There is no other answer that works. End of story. Oh, we love talking to you. <laughs> you know, lo- anytime you call me up anytime because I love to talk to you guys and I know you're doing really, really fine work and I bless your work. You know, we can bless each other. I bless your work and all of the people who are listening that we truly can find that, that true aspect of ourselves that is who we really are because we really are love well we invite everybody listening to go bless themselves with allow carolyn pearson to bless them by going and supporting and and getting this book and other works that you have on carolynpearson.com you're also on amazon but i love doing it on your website because they all come with an autograph (laughs) they do in fact we have two books that carolyn um signed herself that we'll be giving away as well and I didn't know who I was signing to, you know, when I, whenever I, I signed those books, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that I did. And, and yes, this is, this is amazingly how, how I've been able to earn a living all the, all these years. And, uh, I would love it if everybody here went out. So I bought some Christmas presents. The people that you're going to give them to will, will love it. I do believe. So thanks Eb, to all, all of you for listening and. And thanks to you, Katie and Alan, for the good work and the, the good example that you are. You are a wonderful example to people who have confusion around this issue. That, you know, whatever can be done, what can be done with love. It can be. Uh, amen. Can I be so bold to say? Yes, amen. amen. I agree. Amen, amen, and amen. Uh, Carolyn, what's next for you? What What project are you working on that maybe you can tease or tell us? No, I do have a couple of things that that are are moving in my mind, but I'm not ready to talk about them. Okay, well, but I do have one pretty really good thing coming up that maybe it'll it'll maybe be available in two years, but I'm I'm just keeping it under wraps. I love it. That's that's teaser. But that's enough. something to live for, isn't it? Isn't it? It absolutely is. <laughs> it's something for me to live for. I'll tell you. You know what? I I hate doing promotion. And I self-published this book, and and I I I, I hate doing the, you know, I love doing podcasts like this, but you know all of the stuff of no da 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 da, but I love writing, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm going to get back to back to doing. So you guys and everybody else, just help me publicize this book so I can get back to writing, okay? Hundred percent. The tipping point of you being able to go to writing is in the listener right now that you are listening. Yes, you. We're talking to you. <laughs> go to carolynpearson.com and, and get a copy of The Love Map, Saving Your Love Relationship and Incidentally Saving the World. There are so many other books that you can choose from as well. They do make great Christmas gifts. Alan gave me Finding Mother God with a beautiful inscription that Carolyn had written last Christmas, and I just treasure it. So. They're, they're oh, so glad. Yes, that's that's such an important one. It is. And yes. partnership all the way around. Partnership from the heavens down to the married couples. Partnership works. That's how love works. So to, to revision, to revision the heavens with the feminine there in equal balance to the masculine. See, that's that's gonna help every one of the couples that we are and that we see around us. 
to have that to have that vision of the, of the equal balancing, the equal valuing. We could go on and on, and we're going to stop now. So <laughs> blessings to you, blessings to everybody, and we'll speak again. Mwah. Thank, Thank you, you so Caroline. much.